0: Good morning, friends. Welcome back to Coding with Christine Hall. So, last week we were in the great state of Louisiana. We were presenting at the Health Advocate Summit. Let me tell you, I learned so much about advocating for our patients and alternative ways that we can help our providers out. So, it was a wonderful experience. I had so much fun, but I did miss you guys. Uh, So I'm glad to be back today. It is National Greenpeace Day, you know, and and I did a little research on Greenpeace. They're over 50 years old and they have been out there exposing environmental problems for many years and proposing some good solutions that are both green and peaceful. I know that was a little cheesy. Anyway, um, it's also National Double Cheeseburger Day. So I know what I'll be having for dinner tonight. I'm always inspired by the daily national events there. Okay, maybe that's not national, but you get what I mean. Anyway, so I wanted to have a moment just to chat with you about some of the changes that we're seeing in the 2023 guidelines there. Um, Not just the guidelines, but 2023 ICD-10 codes. So all of the ICD-10 codes, you know, on a fiscal calendar year, so it runs from October 1st through September 30th, um, we update our ICD-10 codes. And and even throughout the year, often we will receive additional ICD-10 codes as needed. So we've noticed that over the past few years with COVID, um, the CDC has been really busy in promoting those new codes as they come out. Um, so one of the things I wanted to go over with you are about 1176 new codes, Now we're not going to go over all those codes, but I'm going to talk about a couple of really cool ones that I think are, were much needed. There were 28 revised codes. There were 287 deleted codes. Now, a lot of times those deleted codes... They are um, deleted because a new code has been added that maybe is more specific and it really changed the way the old code was. So more than a revision was needed. And of those, 36 were converted from category three. So I thought that was really incredible that we've had so many changes. I think it's more than double than we saw last year. So a lot of changes are coming in. Um, There were some revisions to the guidelines. Some of those highlights were regarding uh, the under administration of COVID. It has now joined our friends BMI and laterality um, in that expanded guidance that coders get. So pay attention to that. Really, really important. Any kind of leeway that we get as coders are always going to be so appreciated. So the under-immunization status also joined that, uh, that line of um, specificity that we can select from other clinicians within the medical record. So uh, a couple of other things that they did talk about, um, complications of care. They ex- further explained in the guidance that it's not necessary to explicitly report that complication of care, that a provider can simply state that there was a complication. Um, and it doesn't have to use that word complication, but they can imply that and we're okay with that. Um There was a little bit change to the way that we report hemolytic uric syndromes associated with HIV. Rather than HIV being that primary diagnosis, they're going to swap out and allow the uh, hemolytic uric syndrome to be the primary diagnosis. Secondary would be your HIV diagnosis. Um, And that way it tells the story just a little bit clearer there. Um, A couple of changes To the admission encounter, that primary site of malignancy reporting, so that that guideline IC2A, right? Take a look at that. Um, There were some other guideline changes. Let's see. I have my notes here because I wanted to make sure that we went over all of those changes specifically. Now, one area that received a major, major change, as a matter of fact, it received 87 new codes, was in the area of dementia. So that guideline, IC5D, that talks about dementia, um, it's the, the guideline went on to tell us that it is so important to remind our providers that we need to know the basis of the etiology of that dementia. When, when it's available to us. Also, the severity. The severity of the dementia is going to be crucial now because if a patient has uh, enters into a facility with one level of dementia and it progresses to a higher level of dementia, then we need to be able to report that highest level of dementia during that um, confinement stage in the hospital there. Also, because there is so many new dementia codes, we had to have a little update to that guideline as well. Um, there were some clarification in the weeks of gestation in the pregnancy section, so IC15A7. Um, and any of you that have been pregnant, you know that every single day of your pregnancy counts, okay? Not going to lie there. But the guidance that they're giving us is that we should round down to the the completed week of gestation. So for example, if I was 39 weeks and six days pregnant, I would be miserable. But um, that would round out to 39 weeks, not to 40 weeks. Anyway, so lots of good information there that they gave us. Um, We had some new guidance on hemorrhage following an elective abortion. There were some new guidance to the um, encounter code when a patient transitions from a pediatrician to an adult physician. Um, And so there's maybe just that reason you need to establish with an adult doctor. Let me tell you, as the mom of five adult children, we when each one of them had to make that transition from the pediatrician that they had trusted for so many years to their own primary care doctor, their own adult doctor, um, there was a little bit of anxiety there, right? You know, And, and it, rightly so, anytime we have to go to a new provider. So we have some clear uh, codes to report, not only when we make that transition from pediatrician to adult but also any counseling that might need to happen during that transition, right? So lots of new codes that were introduced in that area. And then my personal favorite, and I get so super excited, we had an incredible amount of codes that were added to social determinants of health. Um, Actually, 111 of those codes have been added to the risk adjustment factors. So they're going to map into a hierarchical condition category, an HCC category, and actually provide value um, to those Medicare Advantage plans. So any of you that are doing risk adjustment, coding, you're going to want to definitely pay attention to social determinants of health. Um, But make sure you read the guideline that relates to that social determinant of health so that you know how to capture those codes appropriately. Um, There is a, a very clear guideline, IC 2117, that states that we only report those social determinants of health when the patient has an associated risk. So just the fact that they live alone doesn't necessarily pose a risk to the patient. However, If the patient was homeless and they were having a surgical procedure, then that component of being homeless definitely presents a problem. So you want to go over all of those revised guidelines, um, especially the ones that pertain to the volume of codes that we're receiving this time out or this year. Um, So just some highlights of codes that have been added Uh, I thought it was very interesting that we had some additional codes to um, methamphetamine overdoses. So they were giving us some instruction about the intentional versus the accidental overdose of methamphetamines, especially those that present to the emergency department. So you ED coders out there, you may want to have a chat with your providers that we've received additional codes to report those intentional or accidental methamphetamine overdoses. Um, Like I said earlier, we've got about 87 new dementia codes, 87. Imagine the specificity that we can report dementia with. Um, And it's such a huge thing. Um, In the nervous system, we've got a new code for POTS, that uh, postural orthostatic tachycardic syndrome, right? Uh, very important. I do a lot of research with POTS. I've been doing a lot of research on Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, and it seems like POTS is one of those symptoms that all Ehlers-Danlos patients seem to have there. Very interesting condition there, uh, Ehlers-Danlos. Um There are 86 new codes relating to loss of consciousness and over 100 codes for intracranial injuries. So we're starting to identify those, again, more specific, the etiology of those cranial brain, uh, cranial injuries there. Um, Some new codes for heart disease. We always have additional ways to expand upon that heart disease there. Um, let's see, what else have we got going on here? Good stuff. Good stuff, guys. Now, don't let this podcast stand in your way of getting some good information when it comes to the new ICD-10 codes or take the, replace your responsibility for reading the guidelines i'll tell you i get so excited every year when i read the guidelines i I know i'm one of like three people across the country terry you might get excited when you read the guidelines too but um, i get so excited because as a coder i have to be very careful that the documentation clearly supports the codes that are being reported and when we look at it from a risk perspective right there's some financial investment there so we got to be really careful The guidelines are the only thing that tell coders what you can assume and what you can't assume, right? If it's not in the guidelines, we don't have that leverage there. We would need to query our providers, work hand in hand with our providers. Um, And some of us have access to providers and some of us are, you know, really just at the mercy of what they give us in documentation. So Um, definitely need to be on top of the guidelines and so that we could complement our providers. Did I talk about that paragraph that was added a couple of years ago that said providers and coders need to work hand in hand? Yes, I did. You should read that. Um, A couple of other areas. Endometriosis received 168 new codes. 168 new codes incredible, right? To describe endometriosis. And and if you know anybody that suffers from endometriosis, it is a truly, truly painful disease there. Um, so I'm glad that we can further expand upon the different levels of endometriosis or difficulties of endometriosis. Um, I know, right? Terry, Terry says, best paragraph ever, right? So... Um, I'm not going to tell you. I'm going to. I'm going to tell you to go out there and read the guidelines. And when you see it, IB, it's in the IB area. Um, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, anyway, so fetal conditions and anomalies—two hundred specific fetal conditions and anomalies. So really interesting. The one that made me chuckle was um, we've had some more codes added to talk about injuries due to motor vehicle accidents and electric bikes. So um, last week I was in Louisiana, we were in New Orleans, and my family wanted to ride these electric bikes. Um, And I'd never been on one before. So we, we got on them. And sure enough, like they go pretty fast if you've ever been on any of those electric bikes. So you give it just a little tap and the whole thing takes off. Right. And you're in and out of traffic because this is downtown New Orleans that we're dodging and weaving in the streets. And so it was funny because I remember feeling like this is an accident waiting to happen. And sure enough, when I took a look at the guidelines, I mean, not the guidelines, the new ICD-10 codes, they thought it was an accident waiting to happen too. So some new codes there for those electric bikes. Really interesting, right? Um, Let's see, 15 new codes for long-term drug use. Uh, and that's an area that we need to be careful and report those drug use. Remember that we were given... Greater instruction last year and the year before and this year, reminding us for those patients that are diabetic and they're being treated with either oral um, anti-hyperglycemic medication or the injectable anti-diabetic medications like Genuvia, Trulicity, Ozembic. Darn it, why'd I say Ozembic? Now I'm going to have that commercial in my head all day long. Anyway, um, we need to make sure that we're reporting those, but they did add 15 other codes for long-term drug use. So we can definitely see how someone is being treated. What is their their, part of their treatment plan? What drugs are included in that? Um, There were revision to over a dozen T-cell lymphoma codes, So that was kind of interesting. New codes for Candidia of the vulva and the vagina. Um, Several codes that describe short stature, right? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, Craig, you're you're with me, right? We're going to have that earworm in our head all day long. Uh, Yeah. Lisa, I love your motto. Can I borrow that? What does the guideline say, right? Absolutely. I love that incredible some other things that we had um expansion of uh, acidosis codes expansion of arterial sclerosis codes now i have to pause for a minute i have to get on my soapbox friends there are more codes than i70.0 okay to describe the arterial sclerosis in the aorta look we're kind of like old houses. You know, if you have a great foundation, that's good, but you're still going to be subject to what I call gunk in the pipes. As we get older, we get gunk in the pipes. Um, And it's always important to know where is that gunk? What part of the pipe is it? So when we talk about the aorta, that's a pretty big organ, right? We need to know where in that organ did you see the gunk in the pipes, right? Um, I always talk about this, especially from a risk adjustment perspective. Where was it? How bad is it? You know, surely that if a provider was looking at that area on x-ray or on any other uh, imaging, they would be able to see exactly where the gunk is. So hopefully we we have enough codes now that we can properly report gunk. Arterial sclerosis, right? Um, anyway, uh, there are about 20 plus codes de- uh, describing slipped femoral epithesis. Oh, I didn't say that right. Epithesis, thank you. Right. Upper femoral epithesis, right? Sounds painful, doesn't matter. Um, we had some more codes that were added for newborn sleep disorders. Uh, specifically referring to like apnea. We're not talking about your normal, he's three weeks old and he sleeps for two hours and he's back up again. I I don't think that that's really a disease, injury, or illness that we can do anything about. That's just kind of called, you know, newborn sleep patterns, right? Um, So we have some new codes there. And then a good one is non-compliant with providers' orders. So we have that one. We also remember still have our old non-compliant patient, but we have a non-compliant with provider orders now. So we can explain things a little bit more um, specific with our patients. And I think it's really important, especially in light of the new EM guidelines. You know, I had to throw that in there. All right, I couldn't have a podcast and not talk about e and um, However, in e we are determining the risk of the patient based on the recommend date, recommended treatment. And if a patient decides that they don't want to follow through with that, or they don't want to get the additional testing, or they don't want to get the additional blood work, um, you know, there should be a way for us to report that so that it takes all the guesswork out of it. Um, imagine a payer who received a high-level evaluation and management service that insinuated that the patient was sick enough to need surgery or to, to require further testing, and then they don't get those claims. Why did they not see that if, if the patient was that sick? I think that if we use these non-compliant codes, again, not judgmental. Every patient has the right to say, no, I don't want to do that. But um, we as coders should report that on the claim so that it helps support that level of service. The decision making was there. It's just that it wasn't the patient elected not to go that route. That was not their choice there. So um, let's see. Terry says, "Okay, your gunk statement has made me afraid for the colon diagnosis. Oh, (laughs) that's great, Terry. I didn't think about gunk there, but. (laughs) that's right on guys so again i'm so excited and we have so many new codes and i was talking to a group of students last night and they were asking you know books are so very expensive do we need to go and get our new books honestly i think with almost 1200 new codes um we do We do need to go get new books this year. There are a lot of changes. And the changes don't just include the new, revised, and deleted codes. But think about all of the tabular changes that are often made, which are the includes, the excludes one, and the excludes two. With more codes comes more combination complications, boy, I bet if I had to say that three times, I wouldn't be able to. Um, however, we need to we need to double check again, not just the code itself, but what instructions came with that, either in the guideline section or in the tabular section. So want to keep an eye out on that specifically. Um, last night, I pulled it up and I believe it's a little over two thousand pages of tabular changes that we're seeing. So I have a nice link for the CDC. They very easily give you the downloads for all of the different sections. You have to select the zip file, you can open it up, and it's gonna give you the changes for the guidelines, the alpha index. So there are changes to the alpha index. Remember, we have new codes coming in and some codes going out. Some codes even were promoted. Um, so we have um, also we have the changes to the table of neoplasms, the table of drugs, and the external cause codes. We had some changes there. We also have quite a few changes to the tabular section, so you want to jump in there and take a look. Um, this is a great time of year if you're still using super bills. Boo! I'm not a fan of super bills. I'm gonna be honest with you. Um, they they just let us know that there's close to 78,000 ICD-10-CM codes. There's absolutely no possible way that uh, you're going to know all of those codes, right? You're never going to understand all of those codes and how these changes interface with all of those codes. So um, I, I absolutely think that if you have a super bill, now is the time to either get rid of it, right? Throw that thing out, can't find the master template. I didn't tell you that. I'm just saying, Um, or to go through that super bill and make sure that you have the most up-to-date codes, that you have the options that are there for those codes, including laterality, specificity, um, uh, severity. You want to make sure that all of those options are there. So now is the time before October 1st to go over those super bills or get rid of those super bills um, and... Make sure you're using the correct codes. Educate yourself now. Educate your providers, not just your providers, but also talk to your referral staff. Make sure your referral staff knows the new codes that are coming out. Um, talk to the medical assistants. Talk to your benefits coordinator. So as they're doing their benefits investigation, if there are any new diagnosis that they need to be aware of, then they'll have that information there having an overall education with the staff on the new diagnosis codes that are changing um, that you use primarily in your office, right? Of course, you're not going to talk about cardiology codes if you're in a urology practice, or um, you're not going to talk about dementia codes if you're in a pediatric practice. Um, Not that you won't ever see that, but You got to stay focused in what your particular specialty is. So make sure that at least at minimum that you're reviewing that information and reviewing your guidelines. Uh, Anyone who knows me knows that I probably say guidelines about 100 times a day at minimum, right? I feel that it's so important when we're given this instruction or this tool of how to be the best at what we do we should use it. We should take a look at it. We should read it. And that should be an annual thing that you do is sit down and you read the guidelines and you read the changes that are coming up. I'm real curious to see some of your comments today that you have about the new 2023 ICD-10 codes. I'm going to take a look here. I'm going to scroll through for a second and see what we, we've been talking about. Lots of comments. Good morning, everybody. It's so great to see you all this morning. It's so glad to be back. Sarah, I got to tell you, I'm a super fan. Um, you and I, we've got to meet one day. Our little chihuahuas, you know, they need to spend some quality time together. I really believe that Toby Hall could be a, a, a great friend to your little girl, um, good morning, lady. How are you, my dear? It's so good to see you, Nikita. Good morning. Oh my gosh, Terry. I can't believe you're up this early. That is amazing. That is amazing. Um, let's see what else do we have. Yeah, we're oh, you know what? Terry made a great comment here about the dementia codes and how they could be tied into those long haul covid-19 you hear about that brain fog people seem to be having post covid-19 um let's see oh samantha you love reading the guidelines too that's awesome Yes, Dr. Rosenstock. I, I have been doing a lot of research on Ehlers-Danlos there. And uh, yeah, it's it's an incredible disease, absolutely. And all the different types of Ehlers-Danlos that are out there. Let's see. Oh, Samantha, girlfriend, I almost died on an electronic bike out there. And, and I now I appreciate the code so much because I really feel like that could have happened to us, you know? <laughs> Uh let's see what else do we have here. Sheila, good morning my friend. How are you? <laughs> this is awesome, guys. Um Okay. Thanks Terry for the um CPT update there. Uh Oh, let's see. So yeah, um, definitely want to encourage all of you to make sure that you are grabbing these links, grab the guidelines um, and you can find these, the, any of this information either through CMS or through the CDC. Now the CDC is the one who originally publishes the information as it is accepted and approved for publication. So I always go to the CDC first, That's where you're going to see any of the new codes that come out, interim codes that come out, interim guidance that comes out. It's going to come from the CDC um, and then it's accepted by CMS. So you can get this information either on CMS or you can get the information on the CDC. And I think we had both of those links that were up and um, running there. So, again, go in, take a look. Educate yourselves, educate your coworkers, colleagues, administration, clinical staff, other administrative staff, read the guidelines, empower yourselves as coders, um, and definitely enjoy the new 2023 guidelines, friends. So I'll see you next, uh, next week, actually. I'll see you because we had to skip a week. So you get me two weeks in a row. That's going to be a lot of fun. Thanks for joining me. Thank you so much and we'll see you again next week. All right? Take care everyone. Thanks for watching.